morning, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. Um, good to see you. We uh, have new lights. We got our lights came in that we did our GoFundMe for. So we're slowly on the way. So if I look a little brighter, maybe a little bit paler and sweatier, and it's got because of these lights. So I always thought Pete wore a little makeup in his videos because it was personal preference, but now I'm realizing it's actually professional. So <laughs> maybe I should get some to get this sweaty, sweaty, the sweaty uh, COVID quarantine look down. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so here we are, new lights. Um, the GoFundMe came in, finally, and we've um, ordered the the new camera will be in next week, and hopefully Apple's running a little late on the new computer, but hopefully that'll also be in this week, and Caleb was able to pay his rent because of you guys. So thank you so much, thank everyone, you. for you. your support. Um means the world to us, mm -hmm. and gonna help keep things moving here a little bit better and um maybe we'll try some different backgrounds here in the future too now that we have this really cool lighting rig and mm -hmm. all Once that the stuff. green screen comes in of course <laughs> <laughs> so um are you all ready for start galatians over again <laughs> i wish um it was nice because i got a lot of compliments on the galatians talk but also it's like it's the book I know the best in the Bible, so it's kind of like, eh, now we've got to go back to the regular stuff. Um, but yeah, so, oh, crazy week. I guess we'll probably get into some of everything that's going on in the world as we go through the talk. Keep it nice and topical. Um, we're we're going to be in Matthew today, and uh, two things inspired this talk. Um One was uh, uh, a tweet by um, a friend of mine, Shane Claiborne, and um, speaking out against the bombings in Syria. And um, two is uh, Grace's Anarchy, which is something I feel like I've kind of come up with and thought about. I don't know. I'm probably not the first person. There's a billion people in the world, but something that's I've been thinking about for a few years now and uh, kind of that concept. And so when, uh, when, when, when I, when I saw um, my friend speak out, um, when Shane spoke out against the bombings and stuff, I thought it was good. And one of the things I shared was one of the reasons I don't endorse candidates besides the fact that I run a church and it's legally frowned upon. People do it anyway. Um, is because bombing, because hurting and destroying other people's lives. And that's just not in my wheelhouse um, to really get behind. I've, I've been a Democrat most of my life, um, but I definitely feel like uh, a lot in my life and my heart and my mind are changing towards politics, especially as I study more philosophy and, and uh, kind of see my Bible and, the, and, and my theology in, in new lenses um, you know, I, I feel like I'm always deconstructing and always growing and reconstructing and, and, and having new thoughts and ideas um, on theology. And it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be there. So yeah, here we are, new lights. So let us know if you think they're a little too hot, <laughs> a little too low. 
we need a white balance if any of you know what lighting anything about lighting but we're, <laughs> we'll continue to tighten things up but i'm really glad we're headed in the new uh, new new direction we've got yeah. a few other things that are coming along that we'll let you know about soon um so in it's so funny i out of habit turn to galatians <laughs> Have to go to Galatians rehab. It's like when actors get really deep in a role and have mm -hmm. to like... method actors. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a method speaker. Yes, or yeah, or speaker. Um, Matthew twenty. And so here here's the the idea is is uh, I'm going to just go ahead and read through this, and I think then we'll just go through and talk about it. Today I'll probably be a little bit faster than most of our Galatians one because those were so heavy in in content, but. Just let's see where this goes. Um, so this is Jesus, and he's sitting down, and he, he, he's, he's telling parables, he's telling stories, and so this is one of the Jesus stories, one of the parables that he tells, and it's the one of the laborers in the vineyard, which mm. if you grew up in church, I'm sure mm -hmm. you've heard it. Um, I always heard it interpreted in different ways, and probably I'm going to interpret it today, but let's look at it. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers. For his vineyard, after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out at nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyards and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went and about three o'clock he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and he said to them, why are you standing here? idle all day. And they said to him, because no one has hired us, he said. Uh, no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyards. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call in the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those are hired, those at five o'clock came in, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came in, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, The last worker only worked one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you, get degree, did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I gave to you. And I, am I not allowed to do what I choose with me, with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Um, so I didn't even think about this earlier, but if you think about capitalism... This makes no sense for capitalism. Capitalists would never do such a thing. And so Jesus obviously is using this story to say what the kingdom of God is like, what the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, but I think if we look at this in a way of, of you know, we, so many of us often feel that we deserve something, that we deserve something special. Um, when we put in the hard work or... Um, you know, like I've been doing this for 25 years, you know, so you get this idea. <laughs> um, 
you, you kind of get this this idea that uh, you know, oh, I should have this, or I should be here, or I should do that. And I think a lot of us in life know that that's not how life works. Um, and and life can be tough and disappointing, and it can also be full of surprises. You know, you can get into something last minute and be lucky and and get the blessing. But the idea here is how is grace like anarchy? I guess I'm going to do some different talks on grace and anarchy because I just really feel like that's a really good place to go. Um, but I think I think it comes from, you know, we, in our culture, and especially in capitalism, we, we have kind of an idea of what fair is and playing by the rules and living by regulations and like we talked about in Galatians, you know, that was kind of the demand for the people in, in Galatia, the, 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 the Judaizers, the teachers of religious law were coming in and saying, what Paul is teaching isn't, you know, is not fair. You know, he's saying grace for everyone. Everyone is forgiven. Everyone is arrived. You know, there's no, you know, there isn't this big process, you know, and, um, I know sanctification is always a big thing in the church. Um, and I think there's, we can look at those in different ways. I definitely think there's time where you need to have, we have to grow, we have to learn, we have to put in the hard work and things like that. But I think what happens is, is when we start to have these expectations on what we're owed or what we're deserved or what others are owed and what others deserve, I think that's the biggest issue is, you know, focusing on our own work, not comparing our work to others and not comparing what other people get out of it. You know, I mean, if I spent my life comparing myself to like a Rob Bell or something like that, you know, I would be constantly disappointed, constantly feeling like my life wasn't going anywhere. And um, like, oh, well, why does he get all this and why don't I get all this, you know? And that's not a healthy way to do. And what I try to do is I try to appreciate Rob Bell. As a matter of fact, read his books and take good stuff from him and, and learn from him and, and, and encourage people to listen because he's got talents that I don't have. So, we have to, as far as works are concerned, is realize that it's not all about works. You know, it's not all about how long you've worked or how little you've worked in, in, the, in, in the kingdom of God. Um, it's, it's, you know, not a reward system that we want to build mm -hmm. it into. Right. So also the thing is to look at this in another way is, you know, I like how it mentions like, here when, when he finds the guys who've been, you know, he goes, why are you standing here idle all day? He said to him. And he says, no one has hired us. You know, and, and I think sometimes when, when people seem idle or are our enemies for a long time or don't do things we like, like, you know, well, we're hard workers and we've been here all day and those guys were idle and not doing anything and just having their own time, you know, and doing whatever they wanted. And we believe in hard work. You know, we all deserve the same. And here's the shrewd manager saying, no, you don't. You know, you all get grace. You all get the same payment as each other. And I think what we have to do is like when we see people who repent or see people who make different life decisions and, and then choose to come to our way of thinking, we often... I always think of, of the guy who wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye for some reason. He's his Josh. Josh Harris, was his name? Was it Harris? I don't yes. remember. Um, but I never read the book. Um, <laughs> talked about it a lot, but never read it. Never kissed dating goodbye either. Mm -hmm. um, 
But when he came out and denounced his book, people were angry and hurt and, and mad, you know, and it was like, but isn't this is what we hoped for? I mean, it, yeah, it took 20 years, not right. five minutes, but isn't this what we all hoped for is that he would denounce the book? I think he also denounced his faith at the same time, but his faith was probably pretty toxic anyway. Um, and so I think that's something good to pay attention to as well. He probably needs time away from that environment. Um, but all the people kicking back because they were so angry that they had read the book or they had seen the book or they were maybe fooled by it or, or something like that. And you might say, well, Jay, this isn't the same, same situation. But the situation is, is, is saying, okay, you know, it, it's, it, it's recognizing when someone changes. It's recognizing when people change. And I know that there's arguments against this. I know what the arguments are. You know, I'm thinking of them myself. But I'm also trying to think of this is how we see it in the eyes of grace. You know, not necessarily like we're going to give, oh, we're going to give him a job or we're going to do this or we're going to be under his leadership or anything like that. But how do we give grace? How do we give to those others? But even with, with, with Jesus' point here, he's actually pointing out people who worked. You know, he's, he's, he's pointing out the, you know, I would have heard this when I was younger as like a deathbed confessional is how I would have thought about this. You know, like, you know, even the man who got saved the last day of his life got to go to heaven, right. you know, and, and that's just how it works and isn't God's grace good, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and now I don't see that as so much as a talk of don't compare yourself to one another, you know. Don't worry about what someone else is getting and you're not getting in this situation, in, in a faith situation. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about equal rights. I'm not talking about how, how we, you know, treat one another. That's uh, not where I'm going at, but in a situation of forgiveness and grace, in a, in, in a situation of restoration. I mean, I think that's a lot of us worry about restoration, and we had a really good talk about that with Galatians, is, you know, restoration, part of it is telling people the truth, seeing recovery, seeing work going to it, seeing a process of, of someone actually being able to be helped and changed. But when it comes to grace, the idea of grace is that you are accepted. And this is why I want to do a talk, a separate talk on, on Paul Tillich's sermon, You Are Accepted. is because it's, Tillich gets so deep into the idea of grace that he talks about the fact that, you know, you are accepted by that which you do not understand, which that is greater than yourself. And not, don't expect anything to change. Don't expect anything to get better. Don't do more. Don't do any of this, but just realize you are accepted. And so that's what's really amazing about grace is this idea is that, you know, it's not expecting anything of you. It's not expecting. Now, now here's the great power of grace is that grace changes us. And the biggest fear of grace, which I've always seen on in mainline denominations and in conservative churches, and conservative churches, it's always like, oh, it's going to be a license. You're going to get a license to sin. Right. And, and then in, in the mainline churches, it's, you know, oh, you're not going to want to do anything about it, you know. And we've often heard the term cheap grace, mm. um, which I, I get what's being said when cheap grace is brought up in the way that it was attended. But I do push back a little bit on that because, no, it's free grace. Mm-hmm. And grace and works don't mix. They're like mm-hmm. oil and water. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, is pure acceptance. And so you say, well, Jay, what good does that do for us? Well, if we follow the example of the manager, of the landlord, 
what we're able to do is, once again, show grace in a physical connection. We're able to meet with people, love people where they're at, and go in with no expectations. We're able to treat everyone the same. So equality actually does play in this, but it doesn't seem very fair if you're the first one, if you're the worker that's been there all day. It doesn't seem right. Um, but if you're the last worker who comes late, it seems amazing. So you have to, to struggle with both of these, these ideas of, um, I think that's why a lot of people are afraid of, of equality is they think it's like special treatment or special things like this. When it only it's just saying, no, everybody, it's not pie. It's not being cut up in little slices. It's just everyone's getting exactly what you've always had and you may have taken, for, take, you know, taken it for granted, but now we're seeing that play out. We're seeing that play out in a way that is, 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 is what we would say is fair. And, but it's hard to recognize fair when you feel like you've done everything you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel like I'm communicating this quite a bit enough, but so let me see. Let me try to think of this another way. Um, sorry, guys. My kids went home last night. We changed our parenting schedule, and Daddy fell asleep, <laughs> and Dad slept in. Um, but I've been thinking about this talk anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Josh thing is a great – great way to look at it. I think of the ideas of, of how we treat others is a great way to look at it. And why is this anarchy is, is again, as I, I said this recently, is that, you know, no system can fully embrace anarchy. I mean, no system can, well, because anarchy will fight against that system. Anarchy even itself will, will, will some way. But now the O, you have to remember, the A and then the O, the O actually stands for order, that there is order amongst it. But most Christian systems, most systems don't fully embrace grace because it seems like an anarchy moment. And that's why we get the people who are like, well, I'm afraid people will see grace and they'll use it as cheap grace and they won't feed the homeless and they won't help the poor and they won't fight for social justice issues. And that's why you have the conservative side that are often afraid that, you know, because a lot of them actually do that stuff, are afraid that people are going to go to the club and have a good time and, and do what they want. Well, the fact is, is that's just human nature. And a lot of people do that the reasons they do certain things like that is because they're trying to fill the lack. You know, I saw a quote the other day that said, you know, sin is when we try to fill the lack. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to fill. So that is the sin. Mm -hmm. And I think we can do that with works, good and bad. And I think that's when we, we have to check what our, what our, what our motives are and, and when we're doing that. Um, you know, that's why Jesus talks about doing things in secret and things like that because sometimes our motives aren't just to help people. Our motives are to be seen to be someone who helps people. Um, to virtue signal in some ways. So we always have to check our motivation of, of, of what we are when we're loving others and caring for others. Um, but the reason, you know, but this is the reason people always want an asterisk on grace, you know, and I, I've seen it when I quote grace talks or when I grow, quote grace writers, when I quote Tillich, when I quote Brendan Manning or Martin Luther King, you know, and people are like, oh yeah, Jay, but you've got to remember to and I get that. I get that life is complex and, and that there are all sorts of different issues. But when it comes to grace, when it comes to being in the presence of another, even one who's your enemy, and recognizing the humanity of one another is a moment of touching grace. And that's where we can almost take it out of the religion and see, okay, I'm going to see human beings. When I'm loving my enemy as myself, when I'm trying to love my neighbor, um, when, when I'm doing these things, these are moments of grace. These are really hard things to do. I've always found it interesting is that these, when I you know, do quotes of, 
about Dr. King's quotes on loving others and things like that, people are like, oh, you only post easy quotes of King. Why don't you post the hard quotes? And I'm always like, I can talk about, you know, what King believed was anti-war and what he believed about socialism and, and things like that. And that is tough for a lot of people to take. But in my own belief system, practicing loving one's enemies and practicing not being silent and practicing speaking up when you should and doing the right thing are, are, are almost harder to do, you know, because you have to live those every day. They have to become a part of you. Um, you have to get used to a lot of people not receiving what you're giving, and that's a tough place to be. So grace isn't just this easy thing. You get the grumbling from people when you show that type of grace. Uh, I think that's probably why Jesus got grumbling from the people he spent time with, the people who were his very apostles and his followers. Of, well, why does he spend time with these people? Because they're not worthy. Look what we've done. You know, they haven't done these things. So I think it's this concept that is kind of simple in, in, in ideas of just, oh, okay, well, I'll love everybody the same. I'll treat everybody equally with the equal amount of respect that I have. Um, it seems simple, but when it's practiced and put into practice every day, it is something very hard to do because the grumbling gets tedious. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pushback gets tough. Uh, people's fears and insecurities come out when you start to show grace to so many people, when you start to love your enemies. And I think loving your enemies is part of showing grace and living in grace. And I think you have to have it in order to be able to do that. You know, that's why I, I think, you know, the two most important commandments, love God with all your heart, equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself, is so important. Um, but that's also why I think grace is vital, because I think it's the only way to truly follow uh, the footsteps of Christ. Uh, Christian or not being a Christian, if you say, oh, Jesus was a good leader, and I like his teachings, and so I follow them. You know, why do I always go back to Paul? And people are like, oh, I don't feel comfortable with Paul. I always go back to Paul because Paul really pushes us in this concept of grace and this concept of accepting ourselves as we are, not as we should be. And by grasping those thoughts and those ideas, we're able to kind of return the favor. And we're able to go, okay, I've accepted myself. Mm-hmm. I've accepted these things. And now I'm able to work on them and grow. How do I communicate that acceptance and that love to others? How do I push back? And so sometimes we have to push back on the system. I mean, there's sometimes where I've told my friends to stay in their job as, as pastors and, and, you know, they're frustrated with the theology and the things and said, you know, you know I, I think you have the grace to maneuver these ideas and the love to maneuver through these things. And there's been times where I've sat down with friends of mine and who've been part of denominations and been like, you should leave, you know, get out and run because this, this, is, this is stifling you and, and it's hurting you. And they're, they're, they're pushing back on these concepts of grace and inclusion that you have, and, and they're, so they're tempering you, and this is a box you don't need to be in. And I don't ever take those conversations lightly, and I don't ever use blanket statements or, or, or big wide margins for people who are in situations like that. You know, I take them particular. And that's, I think, another hard thing for folks is that we have a lot of black and white thinking, a lot of dualistic thinking of how to solve problems in the church. And so we're like, oh, well, we'll just put this in doctrine and we'll write this down and it'll fit everybody. And obviously one size doesn't fit all. But the one thing that continues to fit all is the concept of grace, the concept of inclusion, of, of pure acceptance. It doesn't mean you accept every action. It doesn't mean you don't confront people, but it means you do accept them and love them. And um, that's a tough pill to swallow. But that's, I think, why Christianity is seen as this 
religion that has these hard things to do and, and these, these works that we talk about to do. And we want all the right. Some of us will get at this in the last minute. Some of us will spend our lives doing it. Um, so I think that's important to remember is that, that the ideas of grace and the ideas of love that the Bible talk about aren't concepts that make complete sense. Like people see capitalism, they think, well, it just makes sense. You know, this is what we're supposed to do. And we've been so programmed to think about how work works that that's where we're stuck. Um, but that's not a concept we've always had and not a concept we've always used. And you start to look at other concepts like socialism and Marxism, and communism, and different things like that. And you go like, oh, wait a second. Okay, so these worked this way before. You know, humanity has worked in different ways completely. So anyway, that was my thought on those, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. We're going to do the after afterglow. Uh, Other verses I was thinking about that, that kind of connects to this is, um, and I, I might be doing a little bit of gymnastics here, but we're going to try anyway. At least it was what came to my mind as I was kind of working through this concept was um, over in Luke 12. And Jesus is talking about, uh, I think it's the, he's talking about a slave owner. And that's, I don't like to easily read and read those verses, but then I was like, why do I want to avoid hard things? Because it's in here, so I'm going to do it, and we can argue about the content later. Um, but he's talking about the master and, and the workers in the house and how when the master's away, the mice will play, basically, mm-hmm. like... You know, if, if people are not doing what they're doing and the master comes back to find them drunk and things like that, he's very angry, you know, and how he, he, and how he beats his, his slaves. I mean, it's really awful stuff. And then he also talks about, you know, the ones who were doing their work and doing their things and the ones who, 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 who were a part of it and didn't know God. But, you know, it's, just, it's really, it's, it's a tough one. But one of the things I like that's at the end of uh, Luke 12, and I believe it's in 48, and um, I mean, it talks about a beating, but one who did not know and did not deserve a beating will receive a lighter beating, which I don't like at all. But this is the one thing I was thinking about is this very end sentence. So deconstruct with me a little bit, if you will. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And to from the one who to whom which has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. Now I'm like, how do these two go together? Um, but I, I, I started to see this in the concepts of grace and forgiveness and life struggles and, 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 and suffering and how we can learn when we've been given much grace, it's, it's kind of called upon us to show that grace, mm-hmm. you know, and to celebrate in a way. So I was seeing this as almost as, as if we are the workers that were there all day it's almost our job to celebrate with the guys who came at five o'clock and were standing around most of the day, you know, is to celebrate the good news together is that, hey, let's celebrate the generosity that's happening here and to look at that. And so when we've been given so much grace and when we've received so much grace or when we've grasped the concept of grace for ourselves, um, which is really, to me, one of the greatest gifts I've ever realized in my life. Yeah is the ability for me to share that with others and to do what I do. And why I do what I do is to tell you all about grace and to tell you all about this ideas. I mean, it changes as I read more and study more and look into it more. 
uh, nuances and, and different ways of, of, of explaining it. But the concept of grace is still what I feel is, 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 is the powerhouse of Christianity. And so, you know, to say who much is given, much is required is we've given much grace. And so in a way, here this free gift is it's kind of an honest to give it out, to give it to others. You know, it's not like God's flying down as this, you know, a being telling other people. We've got angels going and whispering in people's ears. You know, it's kind of our concept to show this grace and to celebrate with the workers. You know, maybe we're the midday workers, so we celebrate with the workers who worked long. Or we talk to them and go, hey, look, this is just really great generosity. Um, but it's the idea of helping people understand grace and helping people understand anarchy and the fact that, you know, we're, we're moving out of a system. We don't live within this human system that we are all so comfortable with. We actually are trying to break free from this system and come to a system that sees justice in a different way where grace still has justice in it, um, but its justice is filled with love and its justice is filled with grace. And so, you know... We, we want to continue to bring that in there. Um, I mean, as I talk about it, it completely seems unfair. As I think about it, it seems like something that's a hard pill to swallow of, of this concept of grace. And, um, but there we are, you know. Um, there we are with it, and that's where we sit with it, is that the great thing about grace and the great thing about why I stay in Christianity, I think, is, is, this, is this concept, is that the unfair parts of my faith system, the unfair parts of Christianity, are not how harshly people are punished and cursed, which I think a lot of people have made the mistake to make it out to be that way, but actually how much people are loved, that it's an overabundance of love and grace. Uh, to the point that it causes us all, including myself, to be extremely uncomfortable. Um, that it's this continuous of accepting one another's humanity and accepting that lack that was within us all and realizing that, you know, maybe there's nothing we can do to fill that. And then realizing once we find peace with that, helping others find peace with that as well. And be like, it's okay. It's okay that you have a lack. It's okay that you feel like there's this need. And I, as I was trying to talk about this last week about about capitalism is what bothers me about capitalism is that it promises to fill the lack and it sells you things to say this will this item this product will fill your this pen has four colors on it and will fill your lack you'll never need another pen again you know and you get the pen and you're like ah you get that high and then you're all going like well really i need a pink pen to highlight other things and i also need a yellow highlighter and this doesn't you know, and it automatically creates the need for the lack to be filled again. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of this thing of like, all right, well, I've got this, but now if I have this other one to go with it, then mm -hmm. I'll really, it'll, you know, and you keep repeating this over and over again. Mm -hmm. So there's this constant desire. And then that one thing that became the sacred object is now just an object that doesn't really work well and you need something else to fill that. Uh -huh. So there you go. And I think what grace does is it allows us to live within the tension and to do that well. And to do that with others and help us to see things more clearly. Um, allows us to see, you know, also see, you know, I really respected Shane Claiborne speaking out against the Biden administration dropping bombs on people, you know, because, you know, I, Shane was like going really hard on Trump, really, really, really hard on Trump. And I, and I got it. I understood why. Um, but he's also being fair with his accountability. 
you know, um, and, and, I, and it's a type of grace that he's showing. You know, I, I think it is grace for us to speak out against murder. I think it really is grace for us to speak out against war and hurting others because we want even our enemies to receive that grace. And so we do have to speak out of that. And we want even those who are hurting our people to receive grace as well. Um, but it might take them a little bit longer to get the concept of grace and live in that grace and to live in that tension. But it's a hard tension to live in because right now I think a lot of people felt that, oh, well, if we get rid of this guy, this new guy's going to come in mm-hmm. and he's going to complete the lack. Right. And now we're all going like, mm, mm-hmm. we were living in a fantasy world. That's right. And what... But this new pastor has four different colors. <laughs> but, you know, it's like we say it's disillusioned. We're, we're disillusioned. Oh, man, I, I was so happy about this, and now I'm disillusioned. And I've always thought the word, like, disillusioning being a bad thing was always strange to me because what, if you're disillusioned, it means you're free from the illusion. Mm-hmm. You're free from the fact that you think this illusion, this, this sacred object is going to fulfill your life. This person is going to make everything happy. When you don't have the illusion, you're able to see the reality. You're able to see the reality of your loved ones. You're able to see the reality of your politicians. You're able to see the reality of the nurse for color pin that Bic makes and I love. You know, but I also know that I have 100 other pins because this doesn't fulfill that lack, mm-hmm. so I keep trying to fulfill it with other pins. Um, one day, one day, <laughs> send your pins to Revolution Church. Um, if you can send me a pin that fulfills the lack, I will only use that pin. Um, and then we'll replicate it and sell it back to you for, <laughs> for even more. We'll make it made in America. Great. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's this, this uh, you know, so we, we, we lose the illusion. Mm-hmm. We live in grace. And because we've lost the illusion, when we see the reality of the brokenness of others and the lack of others, we're able to extend grace well. Yeah. And that is the hope with revolution that's the hope of what we teach and that's my hope for this life and for this world and um and that we're all able to live in in a sense of truth and live life on life's terms so with that i'm gonna head and open it up to uh afterglow and see if you guys have any pushback or any feedback or any words of love let us afterglow let's dim the lights a little bit (laughs) Um, it's funny, Jay, uh, I, not too long ago, maybe a couple months ago or so, um, worked on a little, a little writing piece I put together about how grace isn't fair, and my three main examples in scripture that I went to were, um, the laborers in the vineyard, the prodigal son, and the story of judgment day in Matthew 25, um, you know, obviously the day laborers who had been there the longest felt like it was unfair because... They should either be receiving more compensation or the new laborers should be receiving less. Right. With the prodigal son, the son who stayed behind felt that grace was unfair because he deserved more than the son who had betrayed the family. Right, right. And then uh, in Judgment Day, when, when the, in Matthew 25, when the, when the sheep and the goats are separated, um, the ones you know, who end up being the goats who say, but, but Jesus, we recognize you. We know you. It's us, the church people. <laughs> yeah, They're yeah. the ones who say grace is unfair because, um, you know, because the, the actual sheep are the ones who are, who are granted eternal life, and they don't even recognize the face of Christ. Right. So, um, well, and I think you're making a great point there because I think what we often see in, in a lot of the world is we have so many unspoken heroes 
you know, unsung heroes who really do practice grace, who don't go in the church and aren't involved in the church. Absolutely. And, and often we write them off as like mm. being crazy or insane, you right. know, or just like, oh, well, they don't fit in. And and so often people who, who don't subscribe to Christianity mm. as their faith actually practice it better because they haven't been tainted by the tradition right. and the practices and the legalism, the law that we bring in and the uh-huh. kind of like control that we try to grab back from it, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. In one of our earlier Meet Your Congregation episodes, um, there was a phrase said by one of our congregants that really stuck with me. My, my dad, Greg Rowe, said, or maybe it wasn't a Meet Your Congregation, it was a different podcast episode. Anyway, he said that some of the best Christians I've ever met were Buddhists. Nice. And I think that that's a clever way to kind of encompass that sentiment. Um, so let's read through some uh, online comments here. Steve Peters. Hello, Steve. Yeah, Steve, check your Instagram. <laughs> Uh, Steve said Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, wrote that it is only when we suffer great disillusionment that grace can really happen. Yeah. And I, I totally, I totally get that because, I mean, I, there's areas I would push on it a little bit because obviously he wasn't talking about everything and everyone and every second in the world, but he did grasp it greatly. As for me, when I grasped grace myself was when I thought God hated me. And when I thought I was going to have to be one of the final workers, you know, when I thought I was right. going to have to be the five o'clock guy of like, I've been hanging out all day trying to ignore you, but here you are, let's go, right. you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I was in great despair, you know, because I thought God was a man in the sky, which I don't believe anymore, but I thought this man in the sky really despised me and had made a mistake and I was that mistake, Yeah, you know? And so it was grace that set me free from that. And it's been grace that's kept me doing the church. You know, mm. it's it's been the grace of people like Pete Rollins reminded me, like, it's about grace, Jay. Well, I don't know if I believe in God. It doesn't matter. It's about right. grace, man. It's about that's what right. you're teaching. And it's about accepting that and continuing to move forward. Well, I don't, you know, I, I was trying to check off even just little boxes for mm-hmm. like what any simple church who would hire anyone would make you check mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And Pete kept saying, no, keep going forward, keep moving forward. And mm-hmm. it was that grace and that pain and that horror and that fear that allowed me to experience that. But unfortunately, I do think that a lot of people have to experience suffering. Again, though, I do think most of life is suffering and uh, that that the ideas of, you know, having capitalism have sold us that, you know, life, oh, no, life is about happiness if we just have these things. And I think suffering is so much part of our life that, you know, anyone out listening to this right now, I'm like, if you're going through a hard time, you're going through suffering, you know, go right now and, 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 and Google, you are accepted by Paul Tillich and read that talk, read that, read that sermon that he preached. And it's amazing. And it's one of the best things I've ever read on grace. And it's called, you are accepted by Paul Tillich. We got a couple other comments, um, from some viewers, not a whole lot of comments today. That's good. But, um, I wanted to be, there was one in particular, oh, is it not letting me scroll all the way back? No! Oh, uh, Jonathan said something very, very nice. Are you able to scroll back, Jay? My, my, I was trying, but... My phone has cut off. Let me try to reopen this. Sorry, everybody. Once I have my, uh, either my iPad working again or that new laptop, this will not be an issue. Let me just try. Who was it from? Um, from Jonathan North, uh, Pagan? Pagan? Okay, I'm looking for it. You had a really nice comment. Ah, oh, Jonathan. Oh, you got it. Hi, Jamie. Is that the one? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's a long one. Hi. Up. Oh, uh, here we go. Hi, Jamie. Uh, you're such a wonderful young man. 
I have such a love for God and man. Um, I do like the idea that he calls me Jamie because that means it's old school. Mm -hmm. Um, Your journey has brought you through to so many roads and moved you to be the man you are today. Always know how much you are loved. Our hardships and pain felt and expressed on his journey. He craved, he carved a heart of love and compassion for others. Jamie Charles, you have always been special and sensitive young man. Okay, okay, Jonathan knows me. Um, (laughs) A gift. Please always be you. I love you for being you. I believe you speak for many. Love, Jonathan Wesley North Pagan. Thank you, Jonathan. That was really nice. Very nice. Very nice. Very, very nice. And then do you see one right below that from my dad, from Greg? He was saying something about living in the tension. Um, no, I can't. I do see Amanda says here, I'll just grab a few. Okay. Thank you. Capitalism is only wanting the temporary. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, Rebecca chimed in and said, I'm not sure if this is in the realm of extending grace, loving our enemies, but I just started watching the Netflix amend that talks about the 14th amendment. One episode focused on the Confederate flag and the people who defend the flag as their southern heritage and denied the connection with slavery. I feel deep sympathy for these people who seem to only have this identity to hold on to. Um, Told on to that they are so blind to the offense this flag's history causes. How can we give them a better identity? How can we help them build a sense of human identity, a new identity of brotherhood, just brainstorming. Yeah, that is very thought-provoking. Well, that's grace. I mean, what you're, what, what you're experiencing right there is grace. What you're experiencing, that feeling you're experiencing is love. And how do we do that is by what we talk about here a lot at Revolution is by meeting with people, by having conversations, by having tough conversations, by learning to argue well, to be informed um, you know, just knowing history of, 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 of the Civil War and sitting down and say, hey, yeah. I know this is the history there. This is it, you know. Right. And, you know, simply just, you know, I think sometimes if we just try to, to to speak to someone's conscious and just saying, you know, I know you feel this way, but think about how other people feel and right. what that means to them, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And then you can go into facts. But even just the fact of saying, if this hurts someone, if this right. causes someone to feel less than human, if this calls feels someone to feel hated or f- feel fear, you know, yeah. or be afraid of you, you know, mm-hmm. is this the type of thing you'd want to carry right. around? I, so I think that is totally graced by saying, I see these people who seem to be uh, misinformed and have, you know, I mean, that's what, what Dr. King talked about is he said, you know, not only do I feel a call to my black brothers and sisters, but I feel a call to my racist white brothers and sisters because they've become victims of misinformation. And it's my job is to give them the correct information so right. they can then come to a conclusion with Absolutely. all the information. Yeah. And so I think that's definitely an example of grace and love. Uh, I yeah. think it's very powerful. There's know? a lot of misinformation around that. And, and having lived in, in the South for so long, and I'm sure for you too, I know for a fact that, that there are uh, you know, young Southern people who genuinely, for them, the Southern flag, the Confederate flag is a, a heritage thing, but mm-hmm. they're just not even considering um, how it's being interpreted by other people. Yeah. Just not even crossing their radar, which is, you know, ignorance, but it's, it's a massive, massive dose of ignorance that needs to be addressed. Last thing here, Jay. Um, April said, my wife shouted in the background today for the first time, 
I love your grace messages. <laughs> oh, that's nice to hear. Thank you. Oh, and then uh, I got a quick little zinger here for you, Jay. We might need to pack this one later. Uh, but Mickey's wondering, why would you not believe there's an afterlife? I just have no evidence. You know, I don't have any evidence that it doesn't, you know, I don't want, I want to believe there is one, but I just, the fact that I have, I have no evidence would be the simplest right. way. And the fact is, is that I'm hope for, I hope for life sure. after death, yeah. but I believe in life before death, mm -hmm. to quote Pete Robbins. But anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And we could talk a lot more about this kind of stuff. And, and, and more talks to come. But thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks again for the lights um, that we now have. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week. Love you a lot. Bye-bye.